lean in because I really feel like it's a word that God's put on my heart and I really want you to grasp it this morning. But before we do that, I'm going to pray because that's always a good place to start, isn't it? So let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you that you are here. I thank you where two or more gathered, you are here. And I thank you that you love your house. And I pray this morning that as we have God chats and as we open your word, I pray that you will minister to us. I pray that seed will go out and fall on soil that will grow. Lord God, I know that you speak to every single one of us individually every day. And Lord God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit is present as we share. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. So um, some of you might not know, but we have three beautiful daughters. And this week, something significant is happening. This week. Last week, we had our 25th wedding anniversary. And then this week, our baby shifts out. Our baby is leaving home. She's not going far. She's just going to her sister's house. But <laughs> she's leaving our house. She can't wait to leave. So Daryl and I are about to enter a whole new season of parenting. A season where we have no children permanently at home. Don't get me wrong. It does still look at times like they are there. When they pop in and they borrow the car and the petrol and the washing machine and the washing powder, maybe top up from the pantry. <laughs> the clothing and the makeup. Yet it isn't the same because all our children are leaving home. There's a new season for us to enter into. I'd have to say though, that just this other day when I went upstairs and saw Summer's, all of her worldly possessions packed up into plastic boxes, I was making sure there was none of mine. <laughs> I did want to hit pause for a moment. I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to saying to everyone, come, come back home. Come back home to dinner at 5.30. Come back home to when mum and dad called the shots. Come back to when there was sibling rivalry. Come back to when pocket money was no more than 50 cents plus one cent per year of age. <laughs> A week. It looks different now, I tell you. <laughs> Come back. I wanted to physically re-enter the old season. But Daryl and I have a choice. We have a choice to make as of this week. How we're going to enter, how we choose to re-enter this next season. Do we enter it with celebration and excitement? Can I tell you that's what we're going to do? Excited because we have three girls who love life, love Jesus, and are full of hopes and dreams that God's placed in their life. The truth is for all of us, isn't it, that we often 
have seasons where we have to choose, how am I going to enter into this? Am I going to go back and think, oh, I want the old, I don't like it? Or are we going to step into the new season that God's given us? You know, I think that's in the the physical and the emotional, because I think of, you know, the new season of the new job. There's a lot that's the same, but there is a new season to step into. The new season of a new baby. Oh, my goodness. We have to choose to step into that and embrace it, don't we? Maybe the new budget. Choosing to step into that. The new gym routine. That's a hard one. (laughs) But choosing to re-enter with a new focus, with a new attitude. There's a choice. And the same is true of physical and emotional in our spiritual world, that we have a choice to re-enter. And can I tell you, that choice is to re-enter daily into relationship with our creator, isn't it? It's a choice. It's a choice. Because we re-enter into relationship with him and the way that he does life and the way that he wired us to do life, the way he had a blueprint for us to do life. We get to choose that. And why would I do that? Because I know that if I enter into that, I enter into purpose, I enter into encouragement, I enter into destiny, and I enter into the way that he planned life, his community, his house. You know, God wants us to enter in every day, enter back into relationship with him. Be front-footed, not back He wants us to come home every day. Come home to him every day. At the very end of Psalm 23, 6, it says, in the message version, it says, in the very last sentence, come back home. It says, come back home. Come back home to relationship with him. Come back home to the house of God. Come back home to his community, to dwell, it says, to dwell in the house of God the rest of your life. To make the decision, I will not do life on my own. I will not do life on my own, although sometimes people hurt me or sometimes the church disappoints me. Can I just say, if you're looking for a perfect church, don't join it. Because the minute any one of us walk in, it's no longer perfect, is it? You know, those seasons that people hurt us, the church hurts us, but I have chosen, I've chosen to re-enter because although people fail me, God never will. And his truth, And his path and his blueprint is the way to do life, isn't it? Amen. Unfortunately, there's a popular belief out there. And you know this popular belief. Can I just say, if something's popular, it doesn't necessarily mean it's biblical. Hey, there's a popular belief out there that you don't need church. You don't need God's community that you can just be a floating believer, that you can come and go as you please when it's convenient. 
that it's okay to have church on a Sunday as your second unfixed option if no better option comes up. It's popular belief out there. But the Bible does not say to do church as it suits you. The Bible says we need to dwell. We need to linger. We need to stay around. The Bible says to be planted, doesn't it? To be planted because that is where you will flourish. That is where I will flourish is in the house of God. The Bible talks about that we need family and we need connection. It talks about us being a living stone and that we need other living stones around us. But the enemy loves to spread lies. He loves to spread lies from generation to generation. That that's not the way to do life. And I tell you why. Because it says in Matthew 6, 18, it says, and I tell you that, I tell you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. You see, the enemy tells people because he knows something that maybe you don't know today, that a relationship with God and his church is powerful. It is powerful. When God's people are in relationship with him first and foremost, and when his family connect, when they join, when they gather, when they dream, when they pray, when they worship, nothing can stand against that. So he loves to spread his lies. You see, God has an incredible plan for your life, but the enemy wants you to believe his plan. He wants you to think you have, he wants you to play musical chairs. He wants you to play musical chairs. He wants you to think your chair is movable. Some of you don't even realize that you've picked up your chair. The enemy is so cunning. You've picked up your chair and you're moving it. And you're not moving it closer to the things of God, but you're actually moving it further away from the things of God. You see, what you've done is you've, you've started to become isolated. You've stepped out of the conversation, the God conversation. You've started to think, I don't need community anymore. I don't need God's community. Oh, oh, I love God. I love God and I've got my chair, but, but I don't need church. I don't need community. And, and before you know it, What's happened is that the enemy's got you right to the edge. And then, and then you're right out of the room. You've gone right out of the room. And now you're sat here and you're saying, I don't feel him anymore. 
I don't sense him anymore. I don't feel a church family gets me anymore. I don't feel I belong anymore. And you don't realize that the enemy has had you move your seat right out of the room. This morning I said my message will be challenging. And I want to ask you a personal question. Do you need to re-enter relationship with God today? Do you need to re-enter love for God's house today? Do you need to re-enter community today? I wonder, in fact, I don't wonder, I know that this is a season for you to pick up your chair, to be bold enough, to be brave enough, to step back into conversation, to step back into conversation with God, to step back into conversation with God's house, to step back into love for God's house, to step back into his community, his small groups, his prayer meetings, stepping back <coughs> into love with Jesus. Why? Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Because right relationship is absolutely crucial to your spiritual well-being. Completely crucial to your spiritual well-being. It is so integral to the way that God has wired us to live life. It's our blueprint. It's everything he made us to live and breathe and be. To love him and love his house and be in community. See, God is a God of family and God is a God of belonging. Not for you to do life on your own. I can stand here with hand on my heart and tell you, I, I've been a Christian all of my life. I don't, you know, I don't even remember when I gave my heart to Jesus. But I have had to re-enter many, many times. I've had to re-enter relationship with God. I've had to re-enter in my mind things, when things have shifted and different seasons and different stuff's happened. And I don't understand why or I'm hurt, or I'm frustrated, I don't get it, I've had to re-enter, not for anyone else's benefit, but for mine, for my benefit, why? Because I've made a choice, I've made a choice that I need God to plant my life, I've made a choice that I need God to trust me into a community, I need God to find my fit, even when sometimes my fit is awkward and uncomfortable. I need God to plant me where I can dwell and I can grow and I can flourish. So how do I re-enter? What does that look like, Denise? Well, can I tell you, the first thing is we need to re-enter in our hearts. We need to, it all starts with our heart. King Solomon, who was the wisest man to ever live, wrote in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above everything else, for it determines the course of your life. Isn't that true? Our hearts. Why does he say to guard our heart? 
because our heart is extremely valuable. Extremely valuable. And we don't guard worthless things. You know, in our house, we collect the rubbish on a Tuesday night and it goes out to the curb up on the top of our driveway. Recycling bins, big green bin. It goes out there and and it's picked up on Wednesday morning and it sits out there all night unguarded. Why? Because it's worthless. It's worthless. But our hearts, our hearts, it's the essence of who we are. It is authentic you. It is the core of your being. Your heart, your heart is where you dream. It's where your desires and your passions are. Your heart overflows into your thoughts and your actions. It's the part that connects you with God and connects you with others. Your heart is precious. And that's why King Solomon says, guard it above all else. Not, he doesn't say if you get round to it or it would be nice if if you did. He says, make it your top priority. You see, the enemy's a liar, and he would have us believe that our feelings are 100% trustworthy. Now, they are not. <laughs> if you live with a housewoman, you know that that's not, that's not. Feelings are up and down sometimes. Men, men, you're not excused. We know what hangry is. When you're hungry and you make you angry. Feelings are not trustworthy, people. Not 100% of the time. The enemy would have us believe that they are. And that also he would have us believe that uh, we can trust what other people say. That who we're listening to, who speaks into your life, that you can trust in 100%. You need to be really careful with that. Very careful with who you allow to speak into your world. Because before you know it, the enemy has you believing a lie. But when we have a healthy heart that's aligned with him, we wake up every day and we know we're loved, we know we're treasured, we know we were made on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And we have a God that will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the stance we have when we wake up and we re-enter into that relationship with him. It starts with the heart. Secondly, to re-enter relationship is to develop and trust what God's put in my hands, in your hands. You know, the hands are one of the biggest tools that, well, they are the biggest tool that we have apart from our mouth and our body. And I was reading that the brain has more transmitters to the hands than anything else. It's a huge tool. But maybe you've been someone who's taken from. Maybe the church has been a place that you've taken encouragement. Maybe it's a place that you have taken enjoyment, but you haven't been quite so quick to pop your hand back in and pull it out. Or maybe you're here today and you've served, and you've served, and you've served, and you've served. And whilst your hand is busy, your hand is also weary. 
you're just tired. And although you welcome people at the door or on the street or in the band, it's now just a job. It's just a job. You used to wave the car in and you used to welcome at the the front door and usher people with excitement. Here comes a family. You're in a dialogue with here comes a family that maybe today they're going to get a breakthrough. Maybe today they're going to get their healing. Maybe today is going to be the miracle. Maybe today they're going to get saved. You used to welcome with a passion and an excitement, but now it's you just serve. You know what you have to do? You have to re-enter with your hands. You have to re-enter with your hands. And say, everything I have, God, is from you. How wonderful are you? Lord God, everything I have is a gift from you. I don't want to just show up because they're short of people. I want to show up because this is my house. This is my house. And we're hosting people that are going to get a breakthrough today. We don't, it's not just a job. We don't just serve. We do it with a passion because this is our house. I don't want to worship because I'm told to worship. I want to worship because I know and I understand how awesome you are. And I know what happens when we worship. I know how much you've done for me. And you begin to re-enter with your hands into the house of God. You begin to re-enter with your hands and you trust him with everything that you have. You need to re-enter with your heart. You need to re-enter with your hands. And the third one is, we need to re-enter relationship by training our tongue. I left the hardest to last. We need to train our tongue. In May this year, Daryl and I had the privilege. We celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary early and uh, went on a cruise. We've never done that before. Uh, It was phenomenal, and I now have it on Mr. Booth's list for me to do every year. (laughs) It might be more achievable now we have no children at home, but no, it it won't be. But anyway, that's fine. I'm allowed to dream. (laughs) But anyway, we went to Venice. It was stunning was not like it's been in the news this week, but it was stunning. And the interesting thing about Venice is that it's actually quite narrow in its entry to get into Venice. And it's, the main mode of transport in Venice obviously is boats of all shapes and sizes. And so the canal that goes into Venice looks like the Auckland motorway, but with boats coming and going and And it's quite narrow, and there's actually nowhere for a big ship, a big cruise ship, to actually turn around. So when you, after a certain point, once you get in, you can't actually turn around to head back out. I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. And when it came time to leave, what the captain did is he backed the ship for ages. I was quite impressed with his backing skills. He backed the ship for ages before he was in a position to be able to turn it round. The truth is that that ship had a rudder underneath it to 
steer it and direct it. And it would have been disproportionately small compared to the enormity of the boat. And just like that small rudder, so our tongues can also direct the course of our lives. They may be small in size, but they are powerful in action. Proverbs 18.21 in the message version, it says, says this straight to the point. I love the message version if you, to get straight to the point. It says, words kill or words kill, uh, give life. You can write that one down, it's not in your notes. Words kill or words give life. They either poison or they fruit. And it says, you get to choose. You get to choose what you'll do with your words. Can I encourage you to develop the habit of being positive? Let your words be like a fragrance. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a scent. Isn't that gorgeous? We give off a scent rising to God. What is your fragrance like? Let's not have a fragrance of negativity. Let's speak positivity. Let's speak life. Let's not gossip, people. Gossip is destructive. I don't know if your mother said this to you, but when we were growing up, I was told if you do not have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Let's be a people that speak love, speak life, speak capacity, speak faith, prophesy like it can be. If not, then zip. Let's not be negative. What do we say about the house of God? What are we saying about his people? Come on, take a check. I wonder this morning whether there's a place where you need to re-enter. Because we can enter these rooms as a stranger. The band can come now. We can walk in these doors as a renter of a room of the house of God, can't we? There's different stances that we can enter into the house of God with. But God's heart is that we would enter into his house as the son and daughter that we are in his home. Because when you walk in and realize it's your home, you act differently. You walk in differently than you would as a visitor. You walk in differently than you would as a stranger. When you walk in as a child of God, when you walk in and this is your home, you know what you do? You take your shoes off. You take your coat off and you're hanging up and you go get busy in the kitchen. And you welcome everybody because they're family. You welcome everybody because they're family. But sometimes what can happen is we can start coming like we're a house inspector. We say, well, if they do this, then I'll say, but if they don't do that, I won't. We can say, if this happens, I'm in, but if that happens, I'm out. You're not called to be a house inspector. You are called in this house to be a home dweller. A home dweller. There's a big difference. A big 
difference. This is your home. This is where God has called you to flourish. Will you be front-footed in your relationship with Him? Will you meet with Him daily? Will you sow in love and have a passion for God's house and how you talk about it, how you talk about each other? This is your home. Oh, but I've stuffed up. Welcome home. (laughs) Oh, but I made so many mistakes. Welcome home. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Home is always home. I don't know where your chair is today. I don't know where your chair is, but I know the enemy and he hates church with a passion. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. That person is like a tree planted in streams of water. So maybe... This season is about you being willing to shift your seat. Shifting your seat back into relationship with Him. Shifting your seat back into a love for His house. Shifting your seat back into community. Back into small group. Back into prayer meeting. Back into anything and everything that feeds your soul for God to move your seat closer to Him. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You need to enter into it. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Step forward into it. Plans to give you prosperity. Come on, be front-footed and step into that. It is a choice this morning. It's a choice. Can we pray? Father God, Lord, I thank you that you love us constantly. Your eye is on us always. Lord God, Lord, I thank you that you have a plan and purpose for every single one of us. And Lord God, I pray today, Lord Jesus, that as we just look at our journey with you, that you just encourage us, Lord God, to come back to you. Lord, there's always room to move closer to you wherever we're at in our journey. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you watch over us 24-7. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. But you have a blueprint for our life. And I pray this morning that you call us home into that blueprint, Lord Jesus. You draw us closer into that blueprint, I pray in Jesus' precious name. And just while everyone's still got their eyes closed this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus or perhaps you need, your life is far from Him and you need to re-enter into that relationship with Him. I'd love to offer a simple invitation for you to pray a prayer and say yes to Jesus because the truth is that God loves you and He made you. He has a great plan for your life, but we all sin and we all mess up. And that sin separates us from God. But by God and His grace, He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us. 
to take the place that you and I were due for our sin. And now he extends, extends to every one of us his grace, his forgiveness for our past, a new, wonderful life in him. If that's you today and you say, I want to say yes to Jesus, can you just pray this prayer in your heart with me? God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. I turn from my old life and I turn to you. Come in and be the Lord of my life. Make me brand new today. I choose this day to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And while every eye is still closed, if you prayed that prayer,